You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. My career at Oregon State, after my sophomore year, I lost my dad, and so it was a difficult time for me, but being at Oregon State probably was the, the best thing for me because I was surrounded by you know my brothers on the team, but the coaching staff really goes above just baseball and treats us like we're their own, and, and so that part of my life is why I wanted to be part of Oregon State after my baseball career. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, thanks for joining me again on the podcast. I'm Josh Warden, excited to introduce you or reintroduce you. After all, you may already know today's guest. He's been around Oregon State for a while. It is former Oregon State catcher Jake Rodriguez. And Jake is still in the baseball program after his two-year professional career. He's come back in multiple roles, first as an undergraduate assistant coach with the baseball program, then an assistant camps coordinator, and he's now the director of operations. One of his roles is scheduling, which is already a pretty difficult job in normal circumstances and then you throw in COVID and it just gets pretty complicated but he's doing a great job uh, putting that schedule together which they expect to release pretty soon for the 2021 spring. Uh, Actually the game's really starting in February. Jake in his Oregon State playing career played catcher started out uh, in 2011 ended with that College World Series run in 2013. I wanted to talk to him for multiple reasons obviously for the kind of where are they now transitioning life lessons conversation conversations that we have on this podcast, but also for the baseball documentary, which I'm producing mostly on the 2018 team, but also the history of the program leading up to that season. But Jake does have a connection with 2018, not only that, well, he was on the staff at that point, but also a conversation he had in particular with then third baseman Michael Gretler. And I've heard Michael say when he was considering leaving Oregon State after 2017 to go pro, he had gotten drafted that year after all, one of the things that helped make him decide to stay for 2018, his senior year, was a conversation with Jake Rodriguez. Now, Jake, in a similar spot in 2013, chose the other thing. He chose to leave after his junior year, and he learned a lot from that process. Uh, He'll share that full story, so I'll let him uh, give you the details of it. But he counseled Michael Gretler, so we talk a little bit about that conversation, uh, both his playing career, what he learned through all that, pro career, and then transitioning back to Oregon State. So here is Oregon State catcher and current director of operations with Beaver Baseball, Jake Rodriguez. I'm curious for you, Jake, how did you first, uh, to develop a love for baseball, what was that like? Was it mostly your dad and and that, or how did you start developing a love for baseball as a kid? Yeah, my dad coached high school baseball in Chicago, so I had gone with him to a bunch of games, you know, from a really, really young age, and I'd always, um, my mom always talks about when I was a little kid, just had a backpack with three bases in it, a ball and a bat and a glove. So from a young age, just loved the game of baseball, played the game of baseball, and then um, just had two parents that had given me every opportunity to have success from an early age. That's that's really where it started with my dad and throughout my life with him. How did you come to commit to Oregon State coming out of Elk Grove? How did Oregon State come into that play and the recruiting mm-hmm. process and choose the Beavers? Yeah, so... 
after my sophomore year of high school is kind of where my baseball career kind of took that next step into um, getting recruited. And I was playing in a tournament in Santa Clara. It was called the Bay Area World Series. And I was playing with uh, Andrew Suzak, who's a former Beeve, and Danny Hayes, Dan Child, um, all these guys that at the time, I believe Andrew and Danny may have been committed and they were juniors. Um, so I remember Marty Lees was there recruiting. I had a pretty good weekend and wanted to go see Oregon State because they were, you know, so high on it. Went up to Oregon State and verbally committed not even seven days after that, that tournament. I remember sitting down in Coach Casey's office and he has this video that he played. He had these leather couch in there and two leather swivel chairs and he had me sit in the leather swivel chair. I remember him um, telling me specifically sit right there. It was right next to the TV. And so before he even really starts talking to us or recruiting us, hits play on the TV and turns the lights off and it's the 06, 07 College World Series highlight video and he's got the Beautiful Day soundtrack in the background of it and it's just um, the Beavs winning the national championship and so he turns the lights on and says, what do you think? And at that point, you know, I had never obviously seen that video before um, and hopefully you've seen it. It just blows your mind when you see it and um, with him talking in it throughout the video and just the highlights and Joey Wong turning the double play and uh, Tyler Graham catching the last out. And then obviously hearing Mike Parker's voice, I mean, it, it just encapsulates everything you want to know about Beaver baseball. And so, um, you know, we got done with that video and my eyes lit up and he started talking and by the end of the conversation, I don't know if I heard half of what he was saying because I was just memorized by the video, but um, at the end of the conversation, he had offered me a scholarship and um, I remember, you know, my parents thanking him and, uh, you know, I, I just immediately said, I'm in, I want to be a beep. And uh, my parents kind of looked at me and they were like, oh, I think we need to, you know, take some time and think about this. Cause that was my first real offer. I had been getting tons and tons of letters sent to the house and all that, but that was the first time I went to the school and sat down with a coach and, and did that. And, but I knew from that moment, sitting down with coach Casey, that there was no better place for me to go. And, and I loved Corvallis because it reminded me of the Midwest where I grew up. Um, and, you know, being in California at the time, um, I was kind of ready to get back to that, you know, that, that kind of small town, that lifestyle in Corvallis is the perfect place for that. It's a, it's a wonderful place. And I, and I knew from that young age that that's where I wanted to be. How much once you started playing for Oregon State in the early 2010s, did your dad get to, to come up and watch some games? Were you keeping in close contact with him throughout the weeks? Or how, how did that go? Yeah, that relationship. I mean, I, I had talked to him religiously every day. You know, after practice, throughout the day, he'd send me texts. I mean, it wasn't every day constantly, but it was – at least a phone call once a day of, Hey, how you doing? Um, and so, yeah, that relationship, um, like I said, I lean on him quite a bit, um, throughout my life, but I mean, he was just curious to see, you know, the college life and how I was adapting and, and, and more curious on how the baseball side of things were going. Cause, um, you know, he was just a baseball fanatic and, and so, um, you know, they don't have it like they do now where you can see your at bats and, you know, your BP and we can, we can see all those things every single day and share that, that video. And so 
um, his way of, of knowing that I was okay was just asking those questions day in and day out. And so that was kind of the, where the relationship was. And then he was able to come up, you know, quite often from Sacramento where they were living at the time. It's just an eight and a half hour drive. So he would drive up most home weekends and, Anytime we played California, Arizona, he was he was in the car with one of my sisters or brother or mom, and, and they were at a game. So um, I got to see him quite often. A really quick interruption. We'll come back to Jake Rodriguez talking about his family and his dad in particular. Uh, speaking of families, one of the nonprofits that I like to support on this podcast does amazing work right here in this community with families and kids from birth to age 18, multi-leveled, individualized, and group support to at-risk children. Uh, that's Old Mill Center. And so if you're passionate about helping your community and the kids who um, need extra help, they, they help over 800 families annual in six distinct programs. Whether it's counseling or other services, it may be uh, check out Old Mill Center at oldmillcenter.org. All right, coming back to Jake Rodriguez, we start talking about the experience of losing his dad and hearing that news and, and how that played out back in 2012. So hope you enjoy the rest of this conversation with former Oregon State catcher Jake Rodriguez. We had played LSU in the regional. Uh, it had to have been the first weekend of June, like June 6th. And then, or maybe earlier than that, a couple days earlier than that. And so we got home from Baton Rouge and I had gotten a phone call that from my mom that my dad was in the hospital. He, had, he was sick. They didn't know what was going on. It happened to be a blood clot. And so I immediately got in my car, loaded up with all my stuff because I had no idea, you know, if I was coming up back to school the next week or what was going to happen. And so we had, uh, Ashley was my girlfriend at the time, gotten in my car, drove down to Sacramento, we were there for probably three days. He was doing fine. We were told that he was just going to get discharged and go home. So we decided to come back up to school because we had finals that week. Um, we got halfway, you know, probably an hour and a half outside of Sacramento. They told us to come back. And so he had passed away. And so that was June 10th. He passed away 2012. So after that, I you know, spent time at home for a couple weeks. And, and then I, my family moved back to Chicago. They were already planning on moving back to Chicago um, from Sacramento. So I helped with that process of getting my mom back home and her family's in Chicago. So that kind of helped the process. But once that was settled and I kind of got a grip on life again, uh, I went out to the Cape Cod and finished summer ball out there. And I guess one of the craziest things that had happened to me in my baseball career is I hadn't picked up a bat probably for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And then I took some batting practice before I headed out to the Cape. And then I got there and immediately started playing. And my first at bat back in the Cape, I hit a home run, which, as you know, I'm not a big home run hitter. And so that was kind of probably one of the coolest, craziest moments um, in my baseball career. And um, so I do remember that. Uh, it was kind of a tough summer for me, but then transitioning into that junior year and trying to figure out it's kind of a new life style for me because I had leaned so, so much on him, um, throughout my life and definitely throughout my baseball career. Um, so it had taken me, you know, a better portion of that year to kind of figure it out. But luckily, like I said, coach Casey, um, 
was a huge part of that. And then my teammates, my roommate, Danny A's, and then obviously having my wife or my girlfriend at the time, Ashley, but now wife. So it was kind of a weird transition, tough transition, but, you know, without Oregon State, it would have been a lot tougher to get through it. It's one thing to to lose a parent, you know, years after you're done being an athlete and you're just kind of in the routine of life. It's another thing for that to happen just whether it's in the middle of the season or at least just while you're still an athlete. How did you handle just being a college baseball player? You just, you know, you play in catcher and then all of a sudden you lose a family member and then, well, you're still a college baseball player. You're going to go back and play. And it's, I'm sure that was a weird feeling. How, how did you handle that? Uh, yeah, it was tough. It was, um, it definitely took me a better part of that next 2012 fall into the 2013 season. But uh, I had so many great teammates um, throughout my career at Oregon State that I had reached out and that coaching staff, you know, with Coach Casey, um, Marty had left after that year. So we, I didn't have Marty, but I had Andy Jenkins. Ed came back and was an undergrad. Uh, Ryan Gibson was there for part of my time at Oregon State and and uh, Coach Yeski. And so um, Coach Bailey obviously was was a huge part of of comforting me and and but but really coach casey um took on that that fatherly role of keeping me motivated and you know keeping my head on right and 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 making sure that i was you know taking care of my work in the classroom um doing all the little things that he knew my dad would you know continually check me on so um they did a great job of that and obviously i've you know my family um, my now wife's family, who I was with at the time, um, as she was my girlfriend. Um, so, uh, and they're from Oregon, so I got to see them more often. So, um, I had a lot of support, uh, but mainly it was, you know, my college roommate, Danny, Danny Hayes, who I had, I had been with all three years at Oregon State. And so, um, that relationship, uh, it was just a great group to surround myself with. And, and like I said, earlier I don't know if it would have been um, the same if I was at a different place I don't know if I would have the same support that I had at Oregon State so I attribute you know that rebuilding of my life all to Oregon State and and everything that they did for me now that you you got married it's good that Ashley you know got to know your dad even though you weren't married I'm sure that was special for them to to know each other at least a little bit um and now that now that you're married now and now that you have two kids what were some of the things that your father instilled in you where you don't have him to lean on now as you're now a dad but I'm sure you you took a lot away from him what are the some of the things that that you try to be as a dad now to your own kids that maybe you would learn from your own father you know having them be so young still it's kind of uh it's kind of funny that we joke around with, you know, my wife jokes around with, Oh, you know, he's only two years old. You don't need to, um, you know, I, I joke around about, you know, you need to work a little harder. You need to do this. You need to do that. And all the things my dad would say um, to me, but, you know, I think the main thing um, that I learned for those 20 years with him was, you know, there's no substitute for hard work. Um, there's always somebody working harder than you. Like, it, like everybody says, you know, there's no excuses for, you know, doing things the wrong way. Um, he always taught me to do things the right way. And he always reminded me um, that if I got off track, 
that it would it would hurt me in the long run. So always doing the little things right. And so that's what I'm going to instill in my kids most is doing the little things right, treating people the right way, good or bad. Um, you always have to try to see the good in things and, and just keep a positive mindset. And especially if, you know, my son, uh, Tony wants to play baseball. Um, as you know, it's a negative sport. And, and so we know that relying on that negative part, uh, you're not going to have much success in the game. So just keeping a positive attitude. And, and so, I don't know, I think it's going to be funny kind of the ways that I'll, I'll see different parts of my life growing up with my dad, how I'm going to treat my kids. Um, I'm sure there'll be so many different things that, you know, I'll instill in them that he instilled in me, but having them be so young, it's, it's still kind of early to tell, but I'm sure most of my teachings will come from him. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I want to talk a lot about the transitions you had in your athletic career to kind of come back both at OSU, transitioning to professional baseball, transitioning out of professional baseball. Your junior year was 2013. Oregon State made the College World Series that season. I'm not sure if you had already made the decision at that point. As you're going to Alma, if you'd known, <clears throat> yeah, I'm probably going to go, or if you didn't decide till later. But what was that timeline mm-hmm. like of both the team's success of getting to Omaha, but your own personal thought process of am I done or where, when you had made that decision? How did, how did that play out in 2013? Yeah, I remember we were in the Super Regional against uh, Kansas State and the draft had been going on and my mom was in town. You know, she was going to be there regardless of the draft happening just because we were in the Super Regionals getting ready to go to Omaha. And so we had that going on, which was the biggest, best part of my life. And and then all the draft was happening. So um, it was crazy for me. I remember the draft got to a certain point or maybe it was 10 rounds and I just completely shut my phone off and I had gone to the field probably, you know, probably one o'clock for a seven or eight o'clock game. I just wanted to get to the field and get my mind, um, you know, set on that game and, and prepare for that game. So I remember getting to the field super early. Um, it was a warm day. Uh, I believe it was, a, it was, it was uh, June 10th. It was the day. Maybe it was June 9th. I don't remember the day I got drafted. I just remember the day that we had, were playing that game and I'd shut my phone off and I had gone up into, we had some cages up in Mick Alexander Fieldhouse at Oregon State. And uh, I went up there and um, and was just hitting for probably a good hour um, just by myself. And, and at the time, I don't, the way that they did the tickets for the students where you had to show up at a certain time and it was first come first serve. So uh, when I had came back out of the cages, uh, there was a line wrapped around the stadium. And as I'm walking to get back into the locker room, which the old locker room was right behind our dugout, uh, the line was running right past that area. All these you know, students were congratulating me and telling me, you know, Hey, you got drafted. Blah, blah, blah. So that was a really cool um, way to find out here in front of a bunch of people. And um, as I got closer and closer to the locker room, they started clapping. And so that was, that was a really cool and um, kind of why Oregon state is so awesome because you have the support of the fans. Right. And, and, but you have a student section that's so engaged with what's actually happening with the players. And so, um, I thought that was just a really cool example of 
how much they actually love the players and and are invested in us. So that's how I found out. I went back into the locker room, you know, turned my phone back on. Obviously, had a bunch of messages. Called my mom and shared that moment with them. And and uh, but I, you know, I really until until the College World Series is over, I really didn't. You know, I was excited that the Astros had drafted me, um, but that was more of a conversation I had after after everything was over in Omaha, um, because that, that moment was so big that I really couldn't pay attention to that. And I was going through a lot of stuff that, so we had lost the first game of the Super Regional, won the second game, and then the third game was on one year to the date of when my dad passed away. And so we won at home uh, against Kansas State on that day. So that was just a special, really special moment for me. Um, and my mom and um so i was able to share with her and and uh but yeah the the draft it was kind of uh i knew i wanted to play professional baseball um and i was really weighing my options and coach casey really made it clear to me that i should be coming back there's no reason for me to sign right you know they always talk about the the money that a team gives you is, is an investment in you. And the money that they offered me wasn't a great investment. So why would I go? And I decided, you know, for some reason that I was still going to sign and I decided to sign. And, and so I would say looking back at my Oregon state professional career, that was probably one of my biggest mistakes um, was, was signing my junior year and, and not coming back for that senior year because coming back, we had, you know, all the big guys, you know, Michael, Dylan, Andrew Moore would have been a sophomore, Jace Fry, so many great players on that 2014 team who was number one in the country for most of that next year. And so um, that was my biggest regret was signing, playing professional baseball in 2013, 14, because I wasn't ready. I don't think mentally for what I had lost the year before. Um, And I had a person in coach Casey who, knew that, believed in me and told me that. But, you know, for some reason, the conversations that I had with my family made me want to to sign. And and I think, uh, you know, looking back, I obviously had not the right help, you know, with a agent standpoint of, you know, telling me to sign. And, and, uh, and so it was just a, a tough time. But um, luckily, Coach Casey gave me the opportunity to come back once that short career ended. The really fascinating thing is that even even when someone makes a, a decision they later regret or whatever they may call a mistake is that even that lesson can sometimes play out to benefit either that person or someone else. And I, I've heard that when Michael Gretler was kind of in a similar spot, he had gotten drafted in the later rounds in 20. 17 that was after his junior year so he's somewhat in a similar spot that you were he could come back he could go and he talked with you about it and got some advice from you since you were already on staff at that point he ended up staying for his senior year got drafted in the 10th round 29 rounds higher so he went the other way how did that conversation go did you do you remember talking with michael and giving him some advice and seeing that play out in his life how did that conversation go in 2017 yeah, I remember Michael had called me and I was at dinner and he just said he needed to talk. And, and I had known, you know, we had that crazy 
run in 2017 where it's probably one of the best teams I've ever seen. Uh, 56 and six, and Michael was a third baseman on that team. Probably one of the greatest guys in the locker room that you can have. I think everybody just loved him and still loves him. But he had called me because uh, I think it was the I'm not sure who offered it. If it was the Pirates, I think it might have been the Pirates both years. But um, they had offered him a similar contract to what I was offered my junior year, and and I just flat out told him that. And I, I I was honest with those guys the moment I came back that I made the wrong decision. I just want to educate you guys on what professional baseball is really like, and and I just told them unless you're drafted with that money changing investment that the team's going to make in you, then it makes sense. But if you have an opportunity to come back, get your degree at Oregon state and compete for another national championship, why wouldn't you come back? And so I had asked him, you know, what's holding you back from coming back. And he had said, well, you know, that money could help me in a couple different ways. And so we just, I just went back and, and told him, you know, I understand what you're saying. I understand those are small things that once you get a degree and a real job or, you know, that, that stuff's going to come easy. Right. But the opportunity you have to play for a national championship, to finish your degree should outweigh all of these things. I said, because not coming back for my senior year was the biggest mistake in my life. And that was because of a small amount of money that you can make in a couple of years of working. Right. And so he thought about it for a while and, and being the team guy that he was, you know, we probably spent an hour on the phone and, you know, he didn't tell me right then and there what his decision was, but he had basically throughout that conversation, it sounded like he had made up his mind of what he wanted to do. And, and so having him back as our third baseman for that, that 2018 run was, was huge. And as you know, and as you study the game of college baseball, every person on that 35 man roster makes that ship go and and not having that piece I mean Michael was a huge piece for us but any piece in a in a national championship run is huge and so um, just just having him make that decision on his own with some help from you know many it wasn't just me it was there's many guys you know throughout the throughout the team um, that that helped him but um, you know I'm just glad that the negative experience that I had had a huge impact, I think, on on his on his life. And so uh, I was just fortunate to be there at the time and share that with him. It does seem really special. As you talked about, I mean, you may have wanted your professional career to look a little bit different than it was. I'm sure that now being on staff with Oregon State, you get to teach a lot of those lessons and, sh- and see 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds go through that and, and see them grow uh, how how are you handling that now sometimes the transition away from I'm no longer a, a pre- professional athlete I am someone else my identity is somewhere else H- how are you handling that as a person over the years and how kind of coaching plays into that I'm sure and, and whatever other elements have helped you or made that difficult uh, how has that been over the years of no longer being a baseball player but being Jake Rodriguez the something else you know how, how has that gone yeah, I think um, just being, I mean, there are 18, 19, 20-year-old guys, right? And so um, being able to communicate with them and, and you know, not be overbearing with the way that we talk to them, but 
you know, being as honest with, as possible with them, not feeding them, um, you know, anything that's not going to help their future. And so, um, you know, with, with coach Casey, um, you know, he taught me that, you know, guys, they may mess up, they may make mistakes, but, um, he's all about giving those guys second chances and, and, and sometimes third chances and just, um, not easing off on them, but just allowing them to make those mistakes and then, um, learning from them and just being better people for it. So, um, I, I just learned that every person that comes into that locker room, um, is different. They all come from different backgrounds. Um, they've all been taught different things throughout their lives. Um, many guys have had hardships and so they react differently, you know, the way that you approach them and in certain things or try to teach them. So just, um, you know, treating everybody with the same respect and um, understanding who the person is before um, you want to judge them or doing anything. And so that's, that's the main thing is, is understanding who the, who the person is and, and being able to, you know, kind of get on their level with their thoughts and feelings and, and work with them day in and day out and, and try to create that relationship because, you know, throughout the past five years, you know, I've had hundreds of relationships with these guys and just trying to understand who they are and, and, and help them any way that I possibly can. There's so many more topics we could touch on. We could talk a lot more about Pat Casey. We could talk a lot more about your professional career, a lot more about the, the mm-hmm. team now. Um, but I don't want to take too much of your time. So let's just finish with one question about your role right now. I'm sure it's pretty crazy mm-hmm. to be a director of operations, especially with the scheduling. Pat Bailey had handled that role of making the schedules, you know, working with other programs and putting putting those games on the schedule. Now that that's your job and you step into that and all of a sudden the pandemic happens and that throws everything into crazy disarray. What has that been like to try to schedule games in the midst of all the, the uncertainty? What, what is what is the 2021 <clears throat> schedule shaping up to kind of be like, even if you don't know exactly what date certain games are, but what has that been like to try to put that schedule together at a time like this? Yeah, I think we're still at a point of unknown um, with the way it's going to shape. But, um, you know, thankfully we have Mitch, and Mitch has been doing a great job of communicating with um, the school and, you know, with – having Kimi Massey um, in the athletic department be able to guide us to the universities um, that we're trying to get contracts with. Um, It's been a, it's been a crazy year. And, and um, in my position, I'm able to work on scheduling those games, rescheduling those games. Um, And it's just going to be a, it's going to be a different type of year. Um, And we're going to need everybody to be patient and, 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 and the players, especially to be patient because, um, we may have to, you know, schedule some games on the fly and, and hopefully we can solidify a schedule here by, you know, the next couple of weeks, um, and, and play a 56 game schedule, you know, um, those guys, you know, have done such a tremendous job of staying healthy and, and cooperating with all the things that we've asked them to do, the schools asked them to do and, and change their lifestyle, uh, what they've been accustomed to over the past 
um, few years at Oregon State. And so, um, you know, it's really been attributed to them and, and the way that they've gone about their business the right way and stayed healthy and worn their masks and, uh, you know, listened to the training staff and the team doctors. And, and we've been able to have a pretty familiar fall as we've had in years past, which I don't think a lot of schools competing at, at this level can say that. So um, it's just a tribute to the players and, and they'll have to stick with us and we'll battle through this season and get as many games as we possibly can. Yeah, hope hope to see those game and surprise come to fruition and see it. 56 games would be a, an impressive feat. So, so best of luck going forward yeah. to you and the whole program. Thanks so much for talking today, Jake. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate your time. Well, my thanks to Jake Rodriguez, uh, putting a lot of work on the schedule and his role with the Oregon State baseball team. And uh, my thanks to him for coming on the podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, keep an eye out for the Beaver Tales documentary series um, coming out in a few months on the Oregon State baseball team. And uh, you'll hear a couple of clips of Jake in, in this project. It's going to be pretty long, uh, but hope you enjoy. I think you'll, you'll really like it once you start to listen. Uh, if you give that a shot, uh, not too long. I'll give you some updates before uh, that comes out on a release date and all of that. Upcoming episodes on this podcast, I've got former Oregon State gymnast Danae Phillips-Stanfield, who once scored a perfect 10 on the uneven bars. Uh, we tell that story, as well as another former Beaver baseball player from the mid-2000s, national champion Daniel Turpin, also joins me coming up, and a football player from the 70s, who's now a business coach, David Chin comes up and got some other interviews in the works as well. So looking forward to plenty more interviews on the Beaver Tales podcast in 2021. Thank you for listening and being a part of it uh, over the course of the new year. Until next time, I've been your host, Josh Warden. Have a great day, everybody, and go Beavs.